keep on tracking. Dun dun. <laughs> Yay, now you have to keep it in, Paul. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chelsea. I'm Paul. And I'm Abby, and welcome to Three to Beam Up. Today, episode 37, A Taste of Armageddon. favorite thing in the whole world is when an episode starts with a captain's log because then we're already one step closer to bingo now you know i feel like this one has a less chance of bingo than the last few but we'll get there as abby likes to say we will we'll get there eventually at the end like we always do <laughs> as as <laughs> you guys always want to play bingo too early. We got to talk about the episode first. Let's just just let's just why don't we just do bingo at the front end right here? No, that's creeping me out. I can't do that. I can't do it either. <laughs> I'm not very good with change. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, would not boy. make me happy. Well, it does start with the captain's log entry, and then there's a code seven ten or something, so they can't approach this planet. But then and that. Makes them anyway. Yeah, did anybody want to really just sit down and watch Ghostbusters when they finish this? Because <laughs> because of the outfit? <laughs> no, no, because of the, the oh. guy in Ghostbusters that comes and makes them shut things down, right? Uh, and they fight back and forth with him. And this guy is very, like, go- obviously this is before Ghostbusters came out. Um, but this is very Ghostbustery. Oh. Yeah. It, it's it, very much, <laughs> shut down this machine. And, the, you know, the mayor asking what happened. And this man made us do it. <laughs> it was a bit yeah it, it was he was like the worst diplomat ever <laughs> he was really pugnacious he's that that super tropey like i i love this it's a good it's a good character to have in there right it's he's a great foil to everyone he's unlikable he's the like principal from every john hughes movie <laughs> right it's true, but all I kept thinking, especially the line that was like establishing diplomatic relations at all costs, I was like, how is that diplomatic? <laughs> We're going to be diplomatic to you whether you want us to be or not. Right? That's literally like, what he does. Whole... Yeah. It is. <laughs> we'll make it's you sign so this treaty weird. by force. <laughs> well, We're going to your planet whether you want us there or not. <laughs> well, I, I do think he is set up. I think it's a great setup early of having him be this like bureaucratic authority villain, right? This like. Again, the guy from Ghostbusters or any principal from a John Hughes film. Yeah, like, they have a lot of that... these anti-bureaucracy episodes. Well, and it's it's only partly that, right? He's like this side foil for the the main plot, but he mm. also then allows the main plot to develop um, semi-naturally. And, and, I mean, we could jump to the very end, but, like, he gets his comeuppance, uh, and then he also gets his redemption. Like, he has an arc in this story. Uh, it's a really interesting character to have there from from minute one really yeah i think kirk handles it well too he eventually makes him stay on board and then kirk and party go down by themselves as they should yeah it's it's odd he doesn't fight more to go down since he's you know presumably the, the federation's liaison to this planet like it feels like he should have tried harder to be in that landing party but obviously that wouldn't have worked so 
Yeah, it was it was strange. Like I, I can he was somewhere between like I have I am in ultimate command here, really, but also I will kind of listen to you. <laughs> but only when I feel like it. So take that, Kirk. Well from so let's say <laughs> I, I wanna say from a character standpoint, I think this dynamic they haven't had this dynamic really that I could remember where they send two people down Spock and Kirk, uh, and then leave two characters, uh, McCoy and Scotty up, uh, each to sort of deal with their own problems, both being character driven problems, right? Because they're dealing with this diplomat up on the ship, um, and have to do the things Kirk would normally do while Kirk and Spock are dealing with all the planet side stuff. Yeah. It's sort of an odd division. I'm not sure that we've seen that division of the four. um, That's what I'm saying. I I don't think I've seen that division. I think it works really well, though. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And they bring down those three red shirts, all of whom survive, <laughs> yeah, by the way. That's a, <laughs> shocking. I saw them <laughs> materialize on planet. was like, man, one of them is definitely dying by the end, right? Like, and they... <laughs> they all yeah. live. The only person who died was the diplomat's, like, sidekick. Yeah, there is somebody in the hallway, right, um, that gets shot, I think couldn't tell at that point if they were stunning people because it felt like that i think Maybe. diplomat sidekick died he like crumpled yeah. in a ball and yeah i guess that's a question of whether even if they're firing on stun is the other side it didn't look like those gun things had a stun well and does it really matter because spock is able to take everybody's gun super easily anyway <laughs> yeah it's another <laughs> one of these where even on the planet kirk and spock have diverging paths um, and then meet up in a in a hilarious meetup. Um, <laughs> Spock yeah, has some great. great Spock has some great lines in this episode. Frankly, he does um, a lot of good retorts to everything that's happening. Um, yeah, well, I like the planet. I like the scenery that they the remastered. remastered. It's really cool. The buildings, the gardens, the train. I also like the inside of the building, which I think we've seen before with the multicolored light. Yeah, I think a lot of the set pieces in Memory Alpha, it was talking about how most of the set pieces were reused for something or other. (laughs) Yeah. we've definitely seen things before. They tried to disguise it with the rainbow lights, but it didn't quite work. Yeah. (laughs) Always try the rainbow lights first, and then if those don't work, you know, repaint, whatever. (laughs) Move this piece over here, and then it's a totally different piece. Yeah. By the way, when they first landed, did anyone else hope and think for a minute that they had a lady security officer? I is she not? Is she a science officer? What no, is she? She's a yellow man. Ah, no. isn't that a pain in the butt? I know that's what I wanted her to be. <laughs> this cool Asian lady science officer, and then she wasn't. <laughs> oh well, we can't have everything. I know. <sighs> that said, as soon as they got to the planet, I figured you guys would already be talking about costume corner. Oh yeah, I. This whole, I don't know how I feel about these costumes. <laughs> they're like, at least, um, they're at least, um, ro- uh, consistent. Maybe I don't know what word I want to use. At yeah, least everybody's I mean, wearing a costume that makes sense, and it's not just like slapped are, together jumpsuits. They are. I mean, there's a weird design element with the toga slash like tartan style drape of fabric that kind of all the higher-ups are wearing but they aren't in any kind of fabrics that make a lot of sense and then there's like the one pant leg that's a different color just because and the hats that i Mm -hmm. definitely think are reused for friday's child (laughs) like 
Like, I was pretty sure maybe even the actors were the same as the people in Friday's Child, well, but now I don't even know anymore. And then the ladies' dress, which is probably the most memorable costume. Didn't we just see that exact same style of dress? Because I just drew it for a board. Uh, it might have it's been possible. Metamorphosis, the diplomat in that. Which was a later episode. Uh, no, it wasn't her, because I have her on my current board, and I'm looking at her. Hmm. But it was, like, the one maybe either before that or before that. Uh, but Could have been Friday's Child, then. It was, like, a, a woman was in, like, that exact same side costume with the drapery. So they, like, definitely reused that pattern. Probably. I mean, it's a lot of the, like, how much skin can we show in the 60s, but still get on TV? <laughs> It's, it's, it was a, it was not, I didn't dislike it. It was just, it was interesting, but it also wasn't like one of the stunning costumes that I've seen in other episodes where I was like, wow, somebody got real creative with that. And that's amazing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But it also, even with the funny hats, I don't think it felt, it felt restrained. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, and I can kind of, maybe that's why I hadn't even mentioned costume corner yet because I was just kind of like, I mean, they were fine. It was it was it seemed appropriate well and that's a big trick right we've, we've seen a lot of episodes where it's like oh that what did they do to make that thing that was um, a choice yeah and at least here i think they made a restrained choice to have all these people it feels like a civilization yeah um, absolutely so yeah that, i agree so good job star trek well done on the costumes for this episode specifically <laughs> They weren't absolutely <laughs> terrible. Nice work. Congrats. <laughs> well, once they're on the planet, it takes them kind of a while. I think because I remembered this one, um, so I was kind of waiting for them to get to the point that it was a virtual war. And it mm-hmm. takes them a while to to kind of piece that together. But they do get there, that they're having this essentially battleship simulation. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Battleship's a good analogy, as, as good as anything we're going to come up with. Um, I think they get there pretty quick. Really? It um, seemed to take forever. Oh, well, at least I think they 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 get them into the room and they start talking about it. And yeah, and then like the attack is incoming. So, and as soon as that happens, um, they don't tell them immediately, but they're like, well, yeah. We just dealt with this attack, and a whole bunch of people are going to die, and also your ship. Because no, no, they hit. said the people died. Um, initially. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they initially the say that people died, and then Kirk and Spock go back and forth, and Kirk confronts them, saying, like, hey, we're watching the planet from uh, orbit, and none of the things you said just happened, happened. Um, like you said, a city was just bombed, and that did not happen. Uh, and that's where they then talk about it, right? And it, it sort of makes sense in this sci-fi. Like, if you start envision their culture, um, they probably wouldn't lead with that, right? Because it's the normal for them. It's it's the everyday life of their culture. Um, it's Kirk and Spock that are the strange ones. Yeah, and it was kind of I don't know. It it was strange that they said they'd been they'd been at war basically forever. <laughs> But they'd been doing it this way for the whole time? I could never quite figure that out. It seemed like that was very shortly after the Gray. Summer. Yeah, it, it seemed like... They said they'd been doing it this way years. for almost 500 years. 500 years. But the war had been going for 500 years, so... And it does have that... I mean, 500 years is right at that zone. We talk about timescales a lot. 
where they probably could have said 300 and it still would have like once you're a few generations out um like if we talk about things like um the american revolution um right that's a little over 200 years ago and that's far enough away that if that had been continuing since it started uh non-stop for those 200 plus years that would still be a very 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 long war um so i don't know 500 is not the worst but probably could have been shorter i don't know that i have that big of a complaint <laughs> it yeah, does give them it, just, it gives water. them enough time just... it, it gives them enough time to say culturally that maybe the war started with bombs and guns and then they realized that they could do it this way and then there was a cultural shift that's what it, right? yeah that was the important that's what i, I read from it read. that's definitely how i how i read it i just could i just couldn't figure out how long it took for them to switch over to the virtual and it yeah. seemed like that was long. more my just just vaguely curious honestly more than anything else yeah because from a plot point standpoint i'm not sure it's important Right? No, I don't know that it is either. It really isn't the point. The you know, although I mean, you could have gone a little bit. They do it a little bit with like this is our culture kind of thing, um, especially with whatever the the woman's name is. I really don't know her name because um, I think they only say it like twice. Yeah, they don't really <laughs> so, talk about names yeah. much in this episode, do they? Mia, it's yeah, Mia. And there, are, there are numbers involved with the names. Mia and I three, get I think she is. Sure. Yeah, I was going to say Larissa, but that was from a different episode. Anyway, yeah, whatever. No, it's Maya. Like she talks, yeah, she talks a little bit about like this is our culture and blah blah blah. And I'm like, I would actually be more interested in kind of the conversation of the cultural differences rather than just kind of. And they do it a little bit, but not really to my. I, don't I think know. I think Kirk and uh, what's his name, the main guy, Arlen. I think Arlen, Arlen. or our something. It's definitely an A name. Yeah, it's definitely an A name. We're so good at names. I thought uh, it was yeah. Arlen. Oh, wow. Um. Armin Tanzarian. Um, the <laughs> the conversation they have, I think, is one of the better plays on that, where he basically says, you know, this is how we've been doing it. Like, this keeps this, like, it's it's the, the discussion of war, right? Because that's the main metaphor here, right? It's the deconstruction of war into its parts yeah. and then the removal of one part. Um, to reveal the absurdity of war. Well, right? that, that, it's right. not a metaphor; it's just text. But yes, um, this one. Well, it, it's well. There are metaphors in it, right? There's. I think the, the metaphor war, would be the wars. Vietnam War specifically, and like the reading yeah, of these the, like dead bodies on like the TV every night. Like it's not even a real thing. Well, but it's a sci-fi trope of the deconstruction of it, right? Because it's this idea of, of using classic sci-fi, right? This is one of the things that sci-fi does really, really well when it's done this way. Um, this really, I was trying to think of other authors this, this feels like. This feels like Philip K. Dick or like, um, well, Har- Harlan Ellison or, um, mm. or what's his name? Um, God, uh, the other H. Uh, uh, <laughs> Heinlein? Uh, yeah, Heinlein. Robert Heinlein? Yep, Heinlein. Um, <laughs> couldn't come over the highland um yeah it feels like some of those where if you you take sci-fi or, or frankly ursula k Le Guin um would also be mm. on there um when you take a, a society and you change one small piece and then you say oh now look at how different this is and look at how silly it looks um but all we've done is taken war and removed the the bullets and bombs um and all the other things in war happen but look how silly it looks when we take the bullets and bombs away as a deconstruction of that to reveal the absurdity of it, right? It's a great um, sort of tool in that way, a metaphor for like what war is when you pull it apart and deconstruct it. 
Which is, yeah, I mean, I don't think metaphor is the right word there. Deconstruction, alleg- the... allegory, maybe. Allegory. Like, it's probably more an allegory. Yeah, yeah. No. Cautionary <laughs> tale. <laughs> no, because it's like it's not a subtext. It's it's. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of these. Again, it, it doesn't. I, have I to think be... deconstructions, like. I okay. think deconstruction is the way, right? Um, that that really, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we haven't said. Uh, I think this is a really good episode. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not the worst thing I've ever. <laughs> yeah, seen. it's one of. It's one of those that I'm just kind of like. It's I like the concept more than I like the execution. And, and I just kind of like I, I I have felt it had pacing issues. Like there were a lot of times where I was kind of distracted when I was watching it. Hmm. But like it's not, and maybe it's because I I might have seen this one more than some others too because it is a relatively well known yeah. one. So that may be part of it, and I knew what was coming. Um, but I don't I don't know. Like it's fine, and I do I do like the conversation of of. What, what, I mean, this is kind of skipping to the end, but the the war doesn't have meaning if there's no cost and there's no purpose to something like that. If the you know, if you've if you've removed the cost, what's what is making you want to end it? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah. But that kind of falls flat because there is this great cost. Like he lost the main per- council person, lost his wife. And, like, Mia was about to die. Like, there is a very real human life cost. Yeah, there's a human life cost, but that is so far removed when you don't have, like, the destruction, I think, element. Like, you lose the human life, but they they even get rid of, like, they disintegrate people. You don't even have ashes. I mean, there's nothing left. Um, And when there's absolutely nothing, when you can't see the cost, it makes it harder to quantify. Even if, you know, I mean, because their buildings are still standing, their their infrastructure is still in place, their, you know, all that stuff like, is still there. And when you can see the rubble, when you can see the bodies, frankly, like, I mean, that's when you really get these horrors and, and what makes people want to be like, we need to stop this at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nonetheless, I don't think that Kirk was in the right here. Oh, I don't necessarily think he was either. Well, but, and I would step in and say that I think that it's a good, it's kind of the same argument to be made with, um, what was the, A Way to Eden, right? That this is one where you could, you could sit down, you could watch it and then have, it it is primed for philosophical questions, right? It's, Mm -hmm, um, right, it's a trolley problem in a bottle, essentially. Um, Right. A better trolley problem. Um, But it it is a question, (laughs) right? Because it, it, well, they don't talk about the prime directive much, but there's also the prime directory stance of like, is Kirk right to do this? Um, yes. But the discussion they have where um, he calls Kirk a barbarian for fighting wars this way, um, th- there is that open question of like, which of these wars is more barbaric, right? Yeah. Is their war less barbaric because um, they don't have all the, like you said, the bodies in the rubble? Um, what is the thing that makes war barbaric? It's not those things. It's war itself, right? It's these deep comparisons between this culture, which is only slightly different, and, and uh, you know, again, all the proxy wars of the 20th century, the 20, 21st century, right? War in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I would uh, much rather history. have their war. I think it's much less barbaric. I think what makes war barbaric is suffering. And this eliminates well, see, the suffering. 
But that's the trick, right? From a philosophical standpoint, that's the the like theater of the absurd that this plays out because that that's what you want a, a, a viewer of this to say is like, oh, well, yeah, if we could just have that war. And then it's a cautionary tale of that society because they're saying, yeah, if you had wars like this, they probably would last longer because the reason to end war is all the bad parts of war. Um, so when you have these proxy wars, when you're fighting in Vietnam, but it's a really a proxy war for the Soviet Union and the U.S. or all of that, um, these wars can go on longer because they're so removed. They're virtual. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, and I, I understand that, but I, I would not have interfered here. I think they should have just gotten themselves up and drove away. <laughs> well, Kirk. I mean, that's what Kirk wanted to do at the front end, and then this diplomat was like, "No, we have to go down there and d- diplomatize them." <laughs> diplomacy, diplomacy. We're gonna force our diplomacy on them immediately. But again, from a prime directive standpoint. Um, I, I, I'm happy they didn't talk about the Prime Directive here because I think that makes it more modeled because, well... well it, yeah, because if it, they were following the Prime Directive, they wouldn't have done anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's too easy. When you put the Prime Directive in there, it's just, it's too easy. That's that's what makes it kind of dumb. Well, but um, that would have been a TNG version of this. Yes, I think the TNG version they would They would have be... gone down and been like, well, that sucks, and then they would have flown away. And they would have felt yeah. bad. Well, and there are some good, um, I mean, it, it very closely mirrors the one with uh, Data, where Data breaks the Prime Directive to um, save that kid. Oh, I yeah, save that the episode. child. Yeah, um, I remember that. Which I think is one of the best Prime Directive episodes in revealing how absurd the Prime Directive is. Um, right. But, yeah, I, I think the Prime Directive would have made this episode a lot weaker. Um, because not in without it, then it is philosophical. And you, and you could say, well, Kirk was right or Kirk was wrong. Um, and I'd probably say I more lean on the side that Kirk was right to do it. Um, but it's not to say either of us is right. I think we could just have a good discussion about it. Yeah. As, as usual, I feel very Spock for this episode. It's like, I don't approve, but I understand. <laughs> yeah, he has that line, right? He has a, <laughs> yeah. I love that line. I do not approve. I, know. I understand. I thought that was such a good yeah. Spock line. It is, and it's very like that's it's he, and and it makes sense. I mean, it's logical. What they're doing is very logical, and yes, I appreciate that aspect of it, and I understand why you would do it that way, to limit destruction, to limit it. But but also like, you're still killing people, so I don't really understand not wanting to end it. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I like I, it's their business. It wasn't Kirk's fight. It's not the Federation's fight. They told them to not come. They specifically told them to stay away. Like they have, so they made a mistake and they went down there and they tried to bother them. But as soon as it was clear that, you know, what was going on, they should have just left. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point, right? So there's a philosophical question of should Kirk do this if he has the right to? And then the other question, does Kirk have the right to? If someone was um, asking for help, then I think that's one thing. But not a single one of them wanted his help. No, they actively told him to go away. Yeah. <laughs> and in the end, I don't think they're necessarily any happier after what he's done. There is a, um, boy, I mean, decades later, right? There's a um, uh, Stargate SG-1 episode that, is a play on this a loose take on this that like one of the sides is suffering and that's the like trick of it um we never see the other side in this one um 
for yeah, lots of reasons. No, so we have um, to assume that they're in a similar position. Yeah, so I think if the other side, right, if, if that's a good point. If there was some suffering on either side, it changes the dynamic of it. I, I still like it this way to make it, again, this deconstruction of war. Um, right, the theme is the absurdity of war, not the question of Kirk's right to do what he does um because, <laughs> I don't know. Has all the right because He's kirk does kirk. that everywhere right no kirk does i this actually all the time. think that kirk's like that's an important part of it no because the message i mean it is the absurdity of war but it's like a barely veiled specifically vietnam war metaphor right and kirk mm-hmm. is is america <laughs> no no like these guys these people would be either america or the soviet union and then the other planet would be whichever one he wasn't and kirk is just someone who isn't in that system right he's coming from the outside looking in um he's not either of those countries very very clearly right i have no idea i don't know my head hurts right now <laughs> okay i'm in trouble um, focus i i don't think that i don't know what i was gonna say <laughs> yeah because right the idea would be that the soviet union and america are both using vietnam as this sort of proxy war, this virtual war, where they don't have to fight each other. They don't have to have their own cities destroyed. They could destroy cities somewhere else. And all the destruction, all the suffering is off your soil, right? There's no deaths on Soviet soil. There's no deaths on American soil. Um, and so that's the, 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 the easy metaphor here, the easy sort of picture. Mm. So, yeah, there is a super Cold war theme in here, but it's one of those oh, yeah. that's also just kind of universal. It doesn't have to be about the Cold War. I mean, yeah. I think it was about the Cold War. Oh, it's definitely <laughs> about the Cold War. It is 100% <laughs> like... about the Cold War. I'm just saying that if you didn't know about the Cold War, it still makes sense. And you could still apply it to other wars. Um, yeah, there was a question. More metaphors, et cetera. <laughs> Maybe to your point, Chelsea, it is a good question of at the end, I do have the question, Do did they leave the planet better than when they found it? Uh, it depends on if, like, the diplomat who was terrible at his job got better at his job. That's fair. <laughs> Again, he seems to be redeemed by the end. He goes down, yeah. realizes his mistakes. Yeah, when he's threatened to be killed, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, wait. <laughs> it's amazing what. <laughs> yeah, he turns quick. His arc is sharp. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, it doesn't. We talked about war a lot. Let's move on. Uh, well, so this was, is... Um, oh, go for it. I was going to say this is kind of a shit society anyway. The <laughs> people tricking them to go down to the planet with that voice duplicator. Well, okay. At that point, they're acting in self-preservation, right? Um at least in theory. And That's what they say they're doing. Yeah, but they, they again, it, it's one of these where, like, if you put yourself in the shoes of this culture, um, I mean, this is another part that would be interesting to um, sort of look at in, like, more, if you had more time. But there's no one on the planet that ever says no to this, presumably, right? You, no, you get a which text. I find also weird after right. 500 years. There's no one who's like, you know what? Right. And, and <laughs> again, this. it's one of those that feels like, yeah, you could write an interesting story about like this same culture without the Enterprise there. Um, and it would still be an interesting sci-fi story. Well, which is why I think um, it would have been different if someone, anyone had been asking for help. 
That's yeah. the difference between yeah. interfering and not. When no but one think... wants the help, then I really don't think it's okay. But again, I think there's two arguments there. There's a question of can Kirk do whatever he wants, and in <laughs> in the original series, the answer is uh, presumably yes. yes. <laughs> uh, it's not just this episode. With impunity, <laughs> he does it. He does it all the time. Um, I feel like he should be kind of court martialed. When we get to the episode court martial, we'll see if that happens. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember this. if it does. <laughs> it could be, I guess. Uh, um, it could be for most of the actions Kirk takes. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it, it'd be an interesting short story to see, like, to to look into that and say, what is it like to live in this society? But it, but it is. If nobody ever says no, and now this ship is saying no, it's like he thinks he's in the right. And and again. As a villain, As he usually does. Well, not Kirk. I mean, uh, the oh, guy on the planet who's deceiving him. Anon Seven. Right. I he... looked it up. Oh, Anon Seven. Okay. Yep. Um, the best villains are villains who think they are doing good. Like he thinks he's yeah. doing good there. He's saving lives. He's saving right. millions. He's horrified of lives. by by Kirk's idea of yeah. war. Like he doesn't. As we all are. He doesn't want to destroy all the people on the ship. And like he says, he he feels bad. And like there's no reason to not believe him. Um, he is trying to trick them down there to kill them because he sees it as already. It's already happened, right? The attack mm-hmm. already happened. They're already dead. It's just the paperwork. Um, right. He believes... The bureaucracy. It is. It's the bureaucracy. <laughs> he believes that he's keeping millions and millions of lives safe by killing them. Um, which, again, is the strength of this sort of shift in... Yeah, virtual these... whatever. It's, yeah, what know. I'm saying is from the perspective of the Federation, it's a trick without honor. And that's the potential problem. Sure. Yeah, the Federation, how they feel about it is a, an interesting question. <laughs> um, but he's at least, right, his motives are not at their core evil. Um, they're bad. Um, they're not, yeah, right? and questionable but on his all motives, sides. Yeah, and, and that's, like, good villains are written that way. They're not just totally evil. Yeah, evil, yeah, mustache twirling. <laughs> well, uh, Magmar from last episode, right? Like, Magmar is yeah. so flat as a character. Because he's just like, right. dance for me, dumb creatures. Um, <laughs> and he has, bags? What like, are you doing? He has no motivation. He's not good. He, he ostensibly can't be good or evil. Because um, he doesn't understand good or understand evil. Them. That's why he has the Enterprise. Yeah. So and Abraham Lincoln. Another thing in this episode is that Spock uses the Force again. Yeah. Yes, he does. I thought in a much more Hardcore. convincing way than some of the other times he's used it. It's true. I, I had a note about that. I'm like, I don't really understand with the touching and the wall. I'm like, but I guess it's visually interesting. So sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, some of the other times he's just like, yeah, let me locate that person somewhere that isn't here and do something to them. <laughs> Read their mind. This and one take is, their mind. Again, light suggestibility, right? Yeah. In close proximity. Like, open the door. Yeah, it worked. And then they actually have a solid plan for once. Which is yeah. like escape. <laughs> yeah, they and to be split into several groups, and all the groups have a pretty good plan, and all the plans to actually kind of work. Um, I know it's a Christmas miracle. It is. Uh, I wonder why <laughs> Mia didn't blow their cover. Yeah, she was not a great character. <laughs> yeah, I wish she'd been given more to do. 
Um, yeah, because she just kind of like greeted them and they rescued her for reasons. And then she just kind of sat around the rest of the time guarded by the yeoman. Because if she was walking to her death anyway, you would have thought that she wouldn't have really cared about them pointing the weapon at her. Yeah, it was... Because then they could have put her body in the disintegration chamber and it presumably would have counted. I was going to say, was that Friday's Child, the one where they also had... um, Yeah, because it was the, like, leader's wife. And it's like, why is she going along with them? And it's like, well, because she's... They're going to kill her anyway or something of that sort. Yeah, Um, yeah, she's going to die. Which, if I remember right, Friday's Child is another... um, we should say this is a Joseph Pevney uh, directed episode, um, and we've hit a few of those so far. But Joseph Pevney won several Hugo's um, for his directing. Uh, he did *The City on the Edge of Forever*, *Trouble Tribble, *Some Muck Time*, the ones that won Hugo's. But he also did um, *Arena*, *Devil in the Dark*, *Journey to the Babel*. Um, he did a Able. ton of ba- <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <both>. <laughs> Yeah, are, are all he 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 did a lot of episodes. He he also directed more episodes than anyone else, depending on how you count them. Yeah. So well, that's fun. Well, the fires looked good when they destroyed those machines. Also, yeah. it was some pretty good effects. Did they say the screens are holding instead of the shields? Yeah, they used that a few times, I think. Yeah, they said screens a bunch, and I was kind of like, I'm like, like the view screens? <laughs> so they meant a shield, right? They just had Yeah, I think they yet. meant the, Yeah, the I think so. This was an early-ish episode, is that right? It's the end of the first season. Okay. So, I mean, yes. Mostly early. Yeah. But it was, yeah, the screens versus shields and stuff. Like, that was, that was weird. And also, that, again... Diplomat Fox, being an idiot, is like, put down, we're fine, we're going to show good faith. And we're like, they have kidnapped some of us. They have obviously, it has been proven they have lied to us. Maybe we don't let down the shields. Yeah, how did being down? <laughs> yeah, I had that note too, Chelsea. That's a good question. And if that's the only suspension of disbelief I need, I think I'm okay. But that is a good question. <laughs> because they do beam him down. And they, they also that- say, we can't beam without lowering the shields. And they also say, as soon as the shields go down, shoot them. So, yeah, they should have gotten shot. Um, yeah. I think they just hope yeah, he didn't. didn't catch it. But Yeah, something something got something went to miss there. Yeah, probably something got sure. rewritten or something got dropped in the writing and Yeah, and they forgot. <laughs> yeah. Well, then eventually it all works out after that. I like when the ambassador almost dies and gets all scared and stuff. He learned his lesson. <laughs> Always listen to Kirk. And when Kirk's not there, always listen to Scotty. Scotty yeah. I think this is, I've been giving Scotty a lot of grief for being a bad um, yeah, you proxy have. captain. Yeah, we haven't agreed. And I thought he was really good at this. I thought he stood up where he needed to stand up and he, you know, I thought he handled the bridge really well. Yeah, he did. Probably I like. I than... also enjoyed how he was like, he's like, nope, we're doing it this way and you can report me if you want to and I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is a very, like, it's a very quirky attitude. Um, <laughs> he learns from his leadership. <laughs> yeah. This is how we do it. Do you guys? We ignore regulations. Yep, yep. <laughs> All over Get the place. Get me for court martial later, <laughs> if we survive. Do you guys think the USS Valiant was a casualty of war then? Um, 
Well, they imply uh, it, right? I, they say that yeah. it's the same thing that happened 50 years ago. Um, so I think they strongly uh, imply that the same thing happened to the Valiant. It showed oh, up. Oh, is that what that means? It was hailing them, and it got hit by one of these attacks, and then they said, okay, I guess come down, and killed them all. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that they don't explicitly say it, but that was No, my... the Valiant never really appear- makes a second appearance well, after they not... mentioned it early on, but I think it's it's you can pretty much infer that that's what happened is they didn't have kirk and they had people who actually like followed the prime directive so or or again the same thing if they had just sat in orbit and and hailed them right and then got hit and didn't see all this behind the scenes and then they said oh yeah sure come on down Mm -hmm. right uh and they did and instead of inviting them behind the scenes they like just immediately captured them um you know yeah and did this the smart way instead yeah exactly (laughs) Well, and that's the trick, too. That's the good storytelling of this, that Kirk and Spock, by going down to the planet, are not the ones that get killed or, you know, killed in quotes. Mm. Um, So they have captured two people who they don't need to kill, and they need to use them as hostages to get the people they do want to kill who are safe. Um, So that's a a great, you know, push-and-pull dynamic to have for the suspense of this episode, because... They have part of what they want, or they have a tool to get what they want, but they don't have what they want. Um, whereas maybe with the Valiant, they did. Yeah, I don't know. And we'll never know, because it never came back. It was yep, not the important. opposite of Chekhov's gun. Very <laughs> <laughs> good point. Oh, dear. Oh, well, I have... The only other, like, thought I had written down was, like, do you think when they wrote the movie War Games, they watched this episode? <laughs> uh, certainly, right? There's, there's so many of... This This is... I, it. This has to be the genesis of this sci-fi trope, right? I guess maybe... I would... I don't know. Somebody might I'm, have written a short story earlier. Again, it feels yeah, like... Yeah, I feel like they're... I feel like there must be, right? Well, I mean, there could have been other early, TV right? or movie things that we don't know about. Well, I feel like somebody could have written a short story. I feel like if it was in a TV or movie, there just weren't many options for it before this. Yeah. Um, that we wouldn't know. know about. There are a whole ton of those 1930s sci-fi things that. Yeah, but I mean, seen. this isn't. This isn't like a Flash Gordon story, right? Um, mm-hmm. This isn't that sort of. Yeah. It's not swashbuckly enough yeah, it, to be that again, kind of like. It's the shades of gray of war, right? It's it's a much more mm-hmm. thinky episode that, not to say that again, Flash Gordon isn't can't be thinky, but you yeah. know, um, so it's got to be early in that. But but after that, yeah, we could point to tons of places where this shows up in in other sci-fi. Yeah, <sighs> craziness. This is a. This is, yeah, this is a very, it's hard to talk about because it is such a, like, thinky episode. There's yeah. so much brain. And I think that's why, <laughs> like, that's why I really, really like this episode because there's, it's the layers, right? You can mm-hmm. just keep peeling back layers of it. Yeah. Math checks out. <laughs> Math checks that's out. Okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um, um, so, eight on seven. See, maybe this is another place where it's good because he's got to be down here, like in the close to the bottom of the list. Oh, for sure. He's he's not a very um, effective villain. 
<laughs> and he's not really a villain because it's it again it's the shades of gray so it's really hard to kind of catalog yeah, him right like, he is mm. the antagonist i mean he's uh, an effective just... leader and he gets yeah. a lot of people killed well, if you do the math, they they said that they've been doing this three million a year for five hundred years. That's fifteen billion people. That's um, a lot of people. So their culture. How has no one in their culture been like, you know what, this is stupid, and maybe we shouldn't do this anymore? Well, they know nothing else, right? They're they're born into this. I guess. And again, from a sci-fi stance, it's it's not outrageous. Yeah. No, I know. I just ugh. So antithetical to my own personal, just like, ugh, yeah, I just yeah. don't understand. But yeah. Anyway. Um, so, but I, I think it is also a powerful episode because they don't just give him crazy space powers. It's um, true. That, that, that they have to write him interestingly and good. They don't he just give him. He has bureaucracy as his power. Yes. He, well, he has <laughs> tradition. He has tradition and culture. Yeah. Um, there's also a lot in this episode that is, you know, the undercurrent of tradition and doing the same thing mm-hmm. just because someone else has done it before you and not questioning it. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. Severin uh... from Severin Mob, Kirk 2. Kirk 2 comes up a lot as like a line. I know. And Kirk 2, I always feel like it's terrible. So we should, everybody goes above Kirk 2 for me. Man, we got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. There's nine people below Kirk 2. So, yeah, I uh, think her two would have beaten this guy. Tracy and the Omega Glories below there. Mira Kirk, Landrew, right? Landrew is oh, basically Mira, just the Mira computer. Kirk was just like, I think Mira Kirk would have beaten him too. Bam, phasered him, done. Then phasered the planet. You know, he reminds me the most probably of Gideon from the Mark of Gideon. And Gideon question mark? I don't remember his name. Um, right, because Gideon had the same sort of cultural idea mm-hmm. that it was like oh we have this planet it's overpopulated or whatever so we're going to commit genocide um it's yeah very close actually yeah you're right it is very close and all he has is a populace that's willing to accept it um yeah i would be happy putting so on seven with with gideon above or below gideon there. um i don't know either would work let's see Probably. Kirk beats them both, but he also gives. Well, he gives Anon Seven the tools to to be better. Uh, I right. mean, in quotes, in quotes, to make their culture more approximate ours. Um, and he gives Gideon a virus that is going to allow him to commit <laughs> genocide. <laughs> to commit genocide. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Gideon is hired just I think because so. genocide. Yeah, Gideon doesn't. <laughs> doesn't have the turn right he doesn't, he doesn't get a learn. redemption he doesn't no, have an arc he doesn't nope there's just there's just genocide. whereas a <laughs> seven at least has an arc um yeah does that make him better though i don't know i have i know it makes him weaker makes him weaker boy that's a, that's a good <laughs> it makes philosophical him a weaker question villain. yeah because it makes him a better person but a weaker villain yeah, okay. I mean, I, I, I'm good with it. I'll buy it. That's logic. <laughs> I think they're both pretty close to each other, but I would probably argue above, but I'm happy below. Okay, and now we can play bingo, guys. I wanted it's the to end do it before. Times, so now we can do it after. <laughs> after we've talked about everything. After bingo, I'm going to go watch Ghostbusters. Just, uh, <laughs> just to have a, you know, a real through line. All right. So let's see. 
How are you guys feeling about Bingo? Not good, but at least mm. I had a captain's log. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I feel like they don't ever really lean on all the tropes. Right? This is a very non-standard episode because they're not... It, it's the same the, like some of the ones recently where we've not gotten Bingo because they've not had a battle in space, right? They're not fighting with someone mm -hmm. traditionally, so I don't know. That's true. Their communicators well, don't... Oh, no, they're taken. That's right. They're taken. They do work, but they are taken. Um, so I only have one clarifier. I kind of think the prime directive is ignored um they don't really talk about it that much i think it's name checked but that's about it i don't think but they ever I, mention it i yeah i just but i think in the spirit of things they're kind of ignoring the prime directive oh, they're definitely ignoring the prime directive. <laughs> yeah it in depends on how you define the prime directive because if it's spirit of non-interference then yes but when they dwell on it it's always non-spacefaring races they say this is a spacefaring race so you could make an argument on both sides, but I'm, I'll, I'll buy that it should at least be name-checked. Spock should say, Prime Directive. <laughs> Prime and Kirk directive. should say, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> shut up, that's dumb. <laughs> so are we yes or knowing Prime Directive ignored? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll buy it. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, we did not get bingo. Boy, you dwelled we on were... did there for a second, and I really... <laughs> it would have been shocking. I was shocked. Um, I mean, there still are like a few things. Like there again, there was a captain's log, but this, there wasn't a square for captain's log, so that didn't happen. Um, the visiting admiral, ambassador, etc., is a jerk, um, and mm. that happened, but there was no square. Um, mm. But then, but the squares that we did have that um, um, happened, uh, prime directive, like we just talked about, uh, there was a Vulcan neck pinch. Um, the away team was trapped on the planet. There was a recurring actor. There was, I think, several Kirk speeches. <laughs> Um, and Uhura says hailing frequencies are open. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there was some stuff. Hmm. Uh, although Spock never says fascinating, which I feel like is a lost moment. Lost opportunity. And there was, yeah, and there was a close, um, I'm a doctor, but uh, it didn't happen. And that was upsetting as well. Um, oh, yeah. He did yeah. point out he was a doctor, but he didn't say what he was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, there were a couple things. It was, there were some, there were some tropes, but it wasn't. Wasn't a huge one this time around. Not so much. But that's okay. Someday. I, I know. I know in my heart. Someday. There will be bingo once more. Hopefully. <laughs> but until that time, we gotta find a new episode to hopefully get bingo from. So let's see how this new goes. New episode. Woohoo. Maybe another Joseph Pemney episode. <laughs> Maybe. We'll find out. We're about to find out. Yeah. Or Spock's brain. <laughs> oh lord let's maybe not so much no but we did talk about this episode earlier today actually we're staying in season one and going to court martial Yay. Wow. <laughs> hey kirk draws a court martial and the negligent death of a crewman hey so we're gonna we're gonna hang out with some kirk and he's gonna pay for his actions except he totally isn't because that's not how this show works star trek <laughs> law and order it is star trek law and order plus they wear dun, dun. dress uniforms 
Huzzah! All right, so uh, thanks, listeners, for joining us for this very brainy episode of <laughs> Through the Beam Up. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and email us at info at theme3. Um, and we will see you next time for Court Martial. <laughs> <laughs>